Section 7 of The Age of Anne by Edward Ellis Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 7. Blenheim. In the spring of 1704, Louis determined to make a great effort. He raised as many troops as he could, and sent different armies against different members of the Grand Alliance. But his chief attempt was to be against the Emperor. He determined to make a vigorous lunge at Vienna, the heart of the Empire, and to compel the Emperor to make peace under the walls of his own capital. To this object, two things helped. Bavaria was Louis's single ally, and Bavaria could be used by the French as an advanced outpost in an attack on the Austrian dominions. Moreover, whilst the Austrians were thus exposed in front, they were also weakened in the rear by the revolt of the Hungarians. The Hungarians had been long in revolt, which had been sedulously fomented with French gold. They were at present quiet, but it was hoped that the appearance of a French army before Vienna would be the signal for a general uprising of the Hungarians, and Hungary lies dangerously near Vienna. Already a French army under Marshal Marcin was in Bavaria with the elector. To this others were to join themselves, and then the advance was to be made. Though this well-concerted plan was not divulged, Marlborough, with the instinctive genius, understood the meaning of the preparations and determined to defeat them. He communicated his design to only one man, Prince Eugène, whom he promised to meet in Bavaria, that with their united armies they might face the invading French, and thus save the empire and with it the Grand Alliance. Marlborough used his influence in England both to have ten thousand men added to the English army and to have his instructions drawn up with some latitude. He turned the opposition of the States of Holland by marching with the Allied army toward the Moselle, and only then revealing to the States his intention to march to Bavaria to help the Emperor, with the Dutch troops, if they gave the permission, but if not, without them. The States saw that it was too late to oppose, and not only gave the desired permission, but generously sent reinforcements and supplies across the moselle and across the rhine then up the valley of the mine marlborough marched the enemy and even his own soldiers only conjecturing the object of the enterprise in the duchy of wurtemburg he met prince eugene and they spent three days together it was the first time they had seen each other and now was laid the foundation of the lifelong and unclouded friendship which formed so noble a feature in the character of each here they were joined by Prince Louis of Baden, a German general of the old methodical school, who claimed precedence over the others. Marlborough proposed that he should devote himself to the task of watching the French frontier, and preventing the expected union of another French army with those already in Bavaria. But Prince Louis declined, and Eugène had reluctantly to depart upon this duty, for which, however, it was manifest he was much better suited. Marlborough then acquiesced in an arrangement by which Prince Louis and he should divide the command, taking it on alternate days. The first achievement of the Allied army was the storming of the Schellenberg, a hill just above the town of Donauwurt upon the Danube. The Bavarians occupied it in force, and the Allied troops, when they came up, were tired with a long march. But it was Marlborough's day, 
and he knew not what the prince would do upon the morrow moreover although the hill was strongly fortified the entrenchments were not quite completed so marlborough gave to his wearied troops the order to attack twice they charged up the hill and twice they were repulsed the third time they were reinforced by some german soldiers and led by prince lewis himself of whose personal courage there was no doubt whatever might be the feeling as to his generalship this time the bavarians were routed in their flight a new disaster fell upon them they were hurrying across the danube over a long wooden bridge and when some two thousand had crossed the weight of the fugitives broke the bridge and many were hurled into the swift stream the day after this engagement marlborough heard that in spite of the watchfulness of prince eugene a considerable french army under marshal tallard one of the most distinguished french generals and the same who had been ambassador to king william at the time of the partition treaty had passed through the defiles of the black forest and had effected a junction with the armies of marshal marsin and of the elector of bavaria eugene now joined the others and it was decided that english dot should be attacked a strong and virgin fortress and important because it commanded the danube his colleagues were glad to find that the attempt upon ingolstadt was regarded by prince lewis as worthy of his dignity and they were thus relieved from the presence of an undesirable colleague receiving information that the united french forces were at hochstedt the scene of their triumph of the previous year marlborough and eugene advanced to meet them on august twelfth the two generals mounting the church tower in one of the villages on the road saw the encampments of the french army it was at once determined to give battle and the men joyfully prepared for it some of the officers ventured to point out the dangers of their position to marlborough but he answered that a battle was necessary and that he trusted in the bravery of his troops the early part of that night marlborough spent in prayer he then received the communion at the hands of his private chaplain and after a short rest was again in council with eugene with the first streaks of dawn on the morning of august thirteenth seventeen o four at three o'clock the army was in motion a haze covered the ground but at six they were visible to the french and a cannonade commenced to which the english artillery replied whilst the troops on either side were deploying into line the village of blindheim or blenheim which has given its name to this famous battle is situated on the north bank of the danube the river is about one hundred yards broad and its stream is very swift just before reaching the village the river makes a loop to the south a short distance below the village the danube is joined by a little brook the nebel almost parallel with the danube about three miles distant is the low range of thickly wooded hills they are a continuation at a lower level of the schellenberg which at donauwurth nine miles down the stream almost overhangs the danube from these hills flows the nebel which is but a little stream in some places a boy could jump across it divided as it is into several branches the country is well drained now but then the land between the branches was little better than a swamp two little hamlets are on this brook the lower unterglau is about a mile from blenheim oberglau is higher up 
they are perhaps three-quarters of a mile apart on an arm of the stream on the slope of the hill is a larger village lutzingen which is not however as big as blenheim when both armies were ready for the battle the nebel divided them marlborough's forces which were chiefly english were on the side of the allies reaching down to the danube to prince eugene with a more composite army the right was assigned higher up the little brook tallard with the troops that he had brought opposed marlborough maximilian the elector of bavaria and marshal marsin were stationed opposite eugene the rear of the french left wing being in the village of lutzingen but tallard though he had a great reputation was not an able general and committed a fatal mistake in the disposition of his troops arising probably from his confident belief that he was destined to have an easy victory he stationed seventeen battalions of his best troops in the village of blenheim where their movements were hampered by want of space they were too many for the defence of the village and those not wanted for that purpose were useless for any other moreover the centre of the french army the line of communication with the other wing was proportionately weakened this weakening helped the victory of the allies the crowding of the troops made that victory more complete on account of the uneven nature of the ground prince eugene took some time to get his troops into position marlborough occupied the interval by ordering prayers to be read at the head of each regiment then with some of his principal officers he sat down to breakfast at midday an aide-de-camp galloped up with the message that eugene was ready now gentlemen to your posts said marlborough cheerfully there was no delay on the left of the line english troops advanced to attack the village of blenheim under the command of lord cutts reputed to be the bravest officer in the english army and so fearless under fire that he had received the nickname of salamander but blenheim was strongly defended there was a strong barrier of palisades and behind them a needlessly large number of the best regiments of french infantry the english troops were forced back twice and then received orders to keep up firing but not again to advance until a diversion had been made meanwhile on the right eugene was attacking marshal marsin and the elector first he led his cavalry to the charge the front line of the enemy was broken and a battery of six guns taken but the second line stood firm his cavalry recoiled and the battery was retaken eugene no longer able to trust his cavalry galloped off for his infantry who were chiefly prussian it was the steadiness of these prussian infantry that saved the battle on the right wing in the centre marlborough was superintending the passage of the nebel by his cavalry but the passage was a matter of difficulty because the ground was exceedingly swampy fascines were thrown in and pontoons used were possible tallard undoubtedly made a great mistake in not attacking the cavalry during the crossing he seems to have thought that when over they would fall an easy prey it was not until the first line was formed that the french charged but then without any marked result to the right of the centre a considerable force of the allies had made an attack on the village of oberglau they had taken it and were then attacked in turn and driven from it by the irish brigade a valiant regiment of irish exiles in the service of france the irishmen rushed forward and had broken the line of the allies and almost severed the communications with eugene 
Marlborough was told, and at once galloped up, and by his exertions restored the battle, driving back with his cavalry the Irish, who were disordered with their success, and posting infantry so as to enfilade them on their retreat. The afternoon was now far spent, as yet all that could be said was that there had been an alternation of success, and that both sides were holding their ground but the generalship and the exertions of Marlborough were about to be rewarded. At five o'clock, the whole body of his cavalry had been brought across, and he ordered the advance. At the sound of the trumpet, about eight thousand splendidly mounted horsemen moved up the gentle slope, at first slowly and then more and more quickly. Once the advance was checked and they recoiled for about sixty paces, then the signal to advance was sounded again, and at a magnificent pace the whole line charged. The French cavalry fired their carbines, wheeled, and fled. The bulk of our cavalry, said Tallard afterwards in his official report, did ill, I say it, very ill. Marlborough had won. The French line was cut in two. Some infantry which had been brought up to support the horse were compelled to surrender. The cavalry were in full flight, part towards Hoekstedt, part toward Blenheim. Marlborough pursued the latter, sending a Dutch general after the former. Marshal Tallard was caught before he could make his escape into Blenheim. Marlborough put him in his own carriage, and then hastily wrote in pencil a note to the Duchess, which his aide-de-camp was to take at once with the news of the victory to England. It is still preserved, and runs thus. August 13th, 1704. I have not time to say more, but to beg you will give my duty to the Queen, and let her know her army has had a glorious victory. Monsieur Tallard and two other generals are in my coach, and I am following the rest. The bearer, my aide-de-camp, Colonel Park, will give her an account of what has passed. I shall do it in a day or two by another more at large, Marlborough. The French battalions in Blenheim, meanwhile, were hemmed in between the English troops and the Danube some and amongst them their commander tried to swim the river but it was too swift and they were drowned during the summer evening and after night came on the english were firing into the thick masses in blenheim every attempt to escape was stopped at length it became manifest that nothing could be gained by further bloodshed great was the despair of the gallant french soldiers one regiment burnt its colours then they surrendered Eugène had made repeated attacks upon his opponents. About the time of the great cavalry charge he advanced, and took the village of Lutzingen. But there was no rout of the Bavarians and French opposed to him. The troops retreated in good order. Marlborough ascribed the ill success of Eugène to ill luck. If his fortune had been equal to his merit, he said, this day would have finished the war. As a compliment he determined to divide the prisoners who amounted in all to about eleven thousand with Prince Eugène. There is a good deal of difference in accounts of the battle, especially as to the numbers of the combatants. It would seem from the best authorities that the Allies had about fifty-two thousand, the French about sixty thousand men, and that of these the former lost eleven thousand, the latter forty thousand in killed and prisoners. It is almost impossible to exaggerate the importance of this victory which broke the power of Louis the Fourteenth and destroyed the prestige of the French arms. Marlborough was received everywhere with delight. 
in england the joy was great the royal manor of woodstock was conferred on him and his heirs and the palace of blenheim was commenced as a monument of a nation's gratitude the emperor made him a prince of the empire and bestowed on him the principality of mindelsheim in bavaria End of section seven